Go ahead and have a seat. Let's continue praying together. 1 Peter chapter 3 says, Cast your cares on the Lord, for He cares for you. In other words, the Lord isn't burdened by our burdens. He wants us, He invites us to cast our cares upon Him. And so, let's take a few moments in prayer as we've been praying and continue to pray and take a moment to cast your cares on the Lord. I know we all have burdens. I know we all have sorrows. I know we all have frustrations. And let's bring them to the Lord now and cast them upon Him for He is more than able to handle all of our many burdens and sorrows and cares. Holy Spirit, breathe new life into me. Breathe new life into us. We need that. We're desperate for Your help and for Your strength. And we thank You, Lord God. We thank You, Father of all. Holy God, we thank You that You're strong enough to care for us to cast all of our cares on You. and, And You want us to bring these cares to You want us to bring these burdens and these sorrows and these heartaches. You want us to bring these struggles and these questions, these massive questions. You can handle them. You're not weak or wimpy like us. You're strong and you're holy. You're righteous. So Lord, we cast our cares on You knowing that You care for us. Cast our cares on You knowing that You have the answers. You have the strength. You have the plan. So Lord, we thank You that Your power is made perfect in our weakness. We thank You that we can boast all the more in our weaknesses because we know that the power of Christ rests on us. It's good news this morning. It's good news every day. And so, Lord, would You help us to believe Your Word? Would You help us to believe Your promises? Would You help us to believe Your truth? We need You. Lord, if ever I needed You, it's now. We're a desperate people, so dependent on You, so dependent on Your grace for everything good in our lives. And so, Lord, just open-handed we come. Nothing in our hands we bring, simply to the cross we, cr- we cling. We have nothing to offer You of any benefit. We have no righteousness of our own that we are flaunting before You. We are desperate, independent people. We need You. We need You. So would You fill our hearts? Would You fill this room? Would You fill our lives with Your grace, Your peace, Your mercy, Your compassion? Your gentleness, your kindness. And in this moment, as we open your word, we are eager to hear from you. We are eager to listen to your voice. We are eager to know who you are. We are eager to know how we can bless you, praise your name with all that is within us. And so, would you help us to do that? Would you open your word to us now? I pray that you do that in Jesus' great name. 
Amen. And amen. It's so good to actually be here in person today. The live stream that we now have going is such a great blessing when you need it, but it is a weak imitation for actually being here and seeing each other's faces and hearing the praise rise. And so after two weeks of not being able to be here, it is so good to stand here before you. And this is right now the most that I've been out of bed or off the couch in over a week. And so you're going to have to bear with me and help me and pray for me that I would have the strength to get through this. My kids are taking bets as to whether I'm going to just start coughing uh, up here. And so I'm praying that won't happen. If it does, just bear with me. Um, I'll be all right. Well, we're right now in the middle of a, uh, uh, the, studying the book of Revelation. And so we're going to be taking a break from that as we have for the past couple weeks and now for another couple weeks. We'll call it an interlude, a good uh, revelation term, kind of an interlude to the book of Revelation right here. But we will pick back up with Revelation chapter 15 in a few weeks. And there are some glorious visions remaining in the book of Revelation chapters 15 through 22. And so be looking forward to us jumping back in uh, the book of Revelation very, very soon. But this morning, I want to look at one of my all-time favorite psalms, Psalm 103. Psalm 103. I don't know how you are when you're sick, but when I'm sick, I have trouble focusing, I have trouble reading, I have trouble thinking, and so my mind just goes to what I know. And these past couple weeks, Psalm 103 has been uh, running through my mind again and again and again. Psalm 103 is a psalm of David. It was most likely written toward the end of David's life when he was reflecting on all that God had done for him and, and for his people. And so I want us to study and consider this great psalm together this morning. Psalm 103. What a privilege to read God's Word over you this morning. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. 
For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, You mighty ones who do His Word, obeying the voice of His Word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Notice that this psalm is addressed almost entirely to David's soul. Only those last three verses expand the call of worship beyond David's soul, outside of his soul. Now, some psalms are written directly to God. Some psalms are written to other people. But there are some psalms like this one that are written primarily to the author himself. David is writing to himself. He's exhorting his own soul to bless the Lord. David is preaching to himself these things. He's urging himself to believe and to know these truths. Notice in verse 2, David exhorts his soul not to forget all that the Lord has done for him. Look at verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. So instead of just coasting along, forgetting all of the many benefits that the Lord has given to him, David chastises himself. He exhorts himself, soul, don't forget the Lord. Soul, do not forget all that the Lord has done for you. And then notice from verses 3 to verse 19, David lists some of the benefits of the Lord to him and his people that he doesn't want to forget, that he wants his soul to remember. So he doesn't just tell his soul to bless the Lord and then leave it at that. No, he reminds his soul of how great and awesome and compassionate and faithful the Lord has been to him and to his people. Friends, I think we've got to learn how to do this better. I think we've got to learn how to do this better. This is a very important means of glorifying and praising the Lord in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our own souls. We've got to learn how to remind ourselves to bless the Lord. One of the most tragic things I can think of is that you and I who've been redeemed by Christ, who know the beauty and glory of the Lord, so often forget how good and great and merciful He is. And so we've got to learn with the psalmist how to do this. We've got to learn to preach to our souls, to ourselves about the glories of the Lord. We've got to learn to preach to our own memories lest we forget the benefits of 
the Lord. We must learn what the psalmist to preach to our innermost being. Bless the Lord, soul. Bless the Lord. Come on, you sluggish and dull soul. Wake up, soul. Rise from your forgetfulness. Behold what God has done. Marvel at who He is, soul. Aren't there times in your life where you realize that you don't really want to praise the Lord or live in a way that blesses and commends Him to others? Like, aren't there times on Sunday where you even come into this room and we're singing these songs and they're grand songs about the greatness and glory of God and you just don't really feel it? I mean, be honest, I do. Sometimes my soul feels cold and dead. What should we do when those times happen? Well, we have a weapon. We have a weapon. We can exhort our own soul. We can chastise our own soul. Soul, why are you so downcast, the psalmist would say in Psalm 42. So why are you so dead? Soul, you have so much to praise the Lord for. Soul, praise the Lord. Martin Lloyd-Jones was reflecting on Psalm 42 where David was chastising his soul there. Soul, why are you so downcast? Hope in the Lord. And here's here's what Lloyd-Jones says, and this, this is gold. He said, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Do you realize that most of your unhappiness in life is because you've been listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? And then Lloyd-Jones said, the main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself, and then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, what God has done, and what God has pledged Himself to do. End quote. C.J. Mahaney has also helpfully written about this in this way. He says, on a daily basis, we are faced with two simple choices. We can either listen to ourselves and our constantly changing feelings about our circumstances, or we can talk to ourselves about the unchanging truth of who God is and what He's accomplished for us on the cross through His Son, Jesus End quote. We can either listen to ourselves or we can preach to ourselves. And David has learned to preach to himself, soul, bless the Lord. Instead of just coasting through life, listening to our ever-changing feelings, we can encourage ourselves, we can remind ourselves, we can exhort ourselves to bless the Lord at all times. Now, to bless means to speak well of. It means to adore. To bless me is virtually synonymous with to praise. And so to bless the Lord is to praise and adore and worship the Lord. Soul, praise the Lord. Soul, worship the Lord. Psalm 34 verse 1 says it like this. The psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. So to bless the Lord means to audibly praise the Lord. Blessing the Lord is to speak His praise. 
And so this is the main call of Psalm 103, to remind yourself to audibly and wholeheartedly speak words of praise and adoration about the Lord. Are you known as a person who blesses the Lord? Are you known as a person that audibly and regularly praises the Lord for His greatness and His mercy and His kindness? Do your coworkers or your neighbors or your other family members, your children, your grandchildren, do they know you as a person who blesses the Lord wherever you go? What are you vocal and passionate about? What do you get animated about? What are, you, what are you teaching others about your God by your joyful praise of Him or your lack of praise of Him? This psalm calls us to bless the Lord. To bless the Lord and not to forget His many, many benefits. Now, verses 3-19 contains some very specific aspects of God's character and God's works that David reminds his soul of. And so here's what we're to preach to our own soul. Here's the, the specific content of what we are to remind ourselves of so that we would be praising and blessing the Lord. Now in my estimation, there are about 15 specific benefits that David reminds his soul of in these verses. But what I want to do for the sake of time is group them into two categories for us to consider this morning. First, bless the Lord for what He does not give us. And secondly, bless the Lord for what He does give us. So let's consider why we should bless the Lord. What is it about the Lord that we should bless Him and remind our soul to bless Him? Well, we should, we should bless Him and praise Him because of what He's not given us and because of what He has given us. So first, bless the Lord for what He does not give us. Notice this thought mainly in verse 10. Verse 10, he says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And the people of God said, Amen. See, David preaches to his soul about the fact that the Lord has not punished him for his sins. See, David is well aware of what he deserves. David is well aware of what he deserves. He is familiar with his own sin. He is familiar with the sins of his people. And David was overwhelmed by the fact that God has treated him far better than he deserves. Just notice how many times in Psalm 103, David reminds his soul that he's not gotten what he deserves. That God has withheld punishment for his sins. Notice the very first benefit he preaches in verse 3 is that God has forgiven him of all his iniquity. Forget not the fact that God forgives all your iniquity, soul. God doesn't just forgive part of your sin. God forgives it all. I love the song we sing, my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. When God forgives, He forgives totally. He forgives all our iniquity. Notice the second benefit He lists in verse 3 is that the Lord heals all our diseases. Now this simply could refer to physical disease. That is certainly a possibility here. God often heals our physical diseases in this life. 
praise God, and we know one day all of our diseases will be healed when we are glorified. But many commentators think that this has more to do with spiritual disease than physical disease. It seems to fit better here with the context. In verse 4, David blesses the Lord for redeeming his life from the pit. Think about what the Lord has not given you. He has not given you the pit. Because of our sin, we deserve to be in the pit of death and hell. The wages of our sin is death. But in Christ, God does not give us what we deserve. He redeems us from the consequences of our sin. Look down at verse 8. God is described as slow to anger. Verse 9 says He will not keep His anger forever. In other words, God is patient with us and He does not quickly pour out His wrath on His rebellious people. Finally, notice the tremendous Gospel truth in verse 12. This is what David is preaching to his soul. Verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions for us. Verse 12 is a poetic way to say God does not forgive our sins lightly. God does not choose to set our sin aside for a short time, always ready to sort of bring them back up when the time is right. In other words, He doesn't forgive sins like we do. No, God removes our sins from us in the most extreme way imaginable, as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? How far is the east from the west? Can you think of a greater imaginable distance? Like if you start traveling east, you will never encounter the west. If you start traveling west, you will never encounter the east. This is a powerful way to say God has totally and completely done away with all of our sin. God has not given us what we deserve. He has not punished us according to our sins. Instead, God has forgiven us. He has bestowed upon us sweet gift of His everlasting love. Have you ever considered what if God did give us what we deserve? This is the last time you considered what if God did deal with us on the basis of our sin? What if He repaid us according to our iniquity? This is hard for us to imagine in our relatively comfortable and nice, pain-free lives. But force yourself to consider the horror what your sins deserve. The hell will be the realization of the horror of sin against God. People in hell are dealt with according to their sins. People in hell are repaid according to what they deserve. There's no mercy, there's no patience, there's no forgiveness in hell. Only pain. Only horror. Only wrath. Only fire. Only death. Only gut-wrenching agony that never stops. And that's what you and I deserve. That's what our sins have earned us. But God has not given us what we deserve. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. He's been patient with us and He's been compassionate with us. And so how can God do that and still be just? Like how can God forgive all of our iniquity and all of our sin not treat us as our sins deserve and still be righteous and still be a holy and just God. Well, we who are Christians, we know the, the only way that any of this can be true is because of Jesus the Christ. 
See, we know even better than David did that God does not give us what we deserve because Christ was given what we deserve. God doesn't treat us according to our sins because He treated Jesus according to our sins. What God the Father has not given to us, He has given to His precious Son. He's not treated us according to how we deserve, but what we deserve, He has laid on His perfect Son. And in His death on the cross, Jesus bore the punishment that our sins deserve. Because of Christ, God does not treat us as our sins deserve. And in Christ, He has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. They have been paid in full. And so David is here preaching the gospel to his own soul. David is reminding his innermost being of the good news that we haven't earned God's forgiveness. It's given to us freely because of the sacrifice of another. So church, bless the Lord that He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Like here's the truth to preach to your own soul. God has not punished you for your sin because Christ took that punishment upon Himself. And so rejoice audibly and passionately in the grace of God to forgive you of all your sins. Forget not, soul, all His many benefits. Forget not that He has withheld His punishment and He has poured it out on Christ and not on you. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord for what He does not give us. But also secondly, bless the Lord for what He does give us. Bless the Lord for all His many benefits. You see, we deserve condemnation, but what do we get? We get a plethora of amazing benefits from the Lord. And David is reminding his own soul of how gracious the Lord has been in lavishing gifts upon gifts upon gifts. This, you can just read through this psalm and see all the many ways that the Lord has blessed us. Verse 3, the Lord gives us forgiveness and healing. Verse 4, the Lord gives us redemption and, listen to this, crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. I have no idea what that even means other than that He gives us abundantly. Verse 5, the Lord satisfies us with good. He overwhelms us with good gifts, doesn't He? He quenches us with Himself so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Anybody need your youth renewed like the eagles? The Lord does that by His Spirit. In verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all. In a world full of injustice, we can be sure the Lord will right all wrongs. He will punish the evildoer. Remind your soul of these amazing things that the Lord has poured out on you. Soul, bless the Lord for all that He has given you. As the, the very old song says, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Remember Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How many of the blessings? A few of them? A couple of them? No, all of them. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing that we need. Now, the benefit that David spends most of his time on here, preaching to his soul, is the benefit of God's everlasting love toward him. In fact, notice verse 8. 
He says, the Lord abounds in steadfast love. Notice verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. So the love of God toward His children is immeasurable. It is higher than the universe itself. Notice verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. So none of these benefits of, of the Lord from the Lord would be good news if they were temporary, right? I mean, what good is temporary forgiveness or brief redemption? The reason all of these gifts are amazing, the reason they all should absolutely blow our minds is because they are all everlasting blessings to us. See, our lives are temporary. We feel this. Notice David himself reminds uh, himself of his own insignificance. This is something else we need to learn to remind ourselves of, of just how frail and weak and temporary we are. Notice verse 14. He reminds himself that he is dust. In fact, he says, God knows that we are dust. Verse 15, he says, our days are like grass which I don't know about your grass, but my grass often is green one day and brown the next day. Look at verse 16. Once we're gone, he says the world will go on just as it did before we were born. The world will just keep going on. We are temporary, but God's love is not temporary. Notice God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. From everlasting means it has always been there. And to everlasting means it will always be there forever. The Father's love for His people is eternally unchanging. We change every day. Our love for God, our love for others is constantly changing, but not God's everlasting love. The Puritan John Owen wrote, If anything in us or on our part could stop God loving us, then He would have long ago have turned away from us. I believe that. If anything in me could stop God from loving me, He would have stopped loving me a long time ago. God has determined to love us because He loves us, and He has definitively demonstrated that love by sending His Son to die in our place for our sins. The cross of Jesus Christ is the proof that God's love is from everlasting and to everlasting. John Owen also said, the greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father. Think about that. The greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father. The greatest unkindness you can do to Him is not to believe that He loves you. The greatest unkindness you can do to the Father in this moment is to not believe that His love for you is from everlasting to everlasting. He has so clearly revealed His love for us that to disbelieve His love is to dishonor Him. And so we must constantly preach to our souls about the eternal and unchanging love of God for us. We must continually remind ourselves to not forget or doubt God's love. We are temporary. We are like dust. We are like grass. We are temporary. But God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. And He's given this love to us freely. He has given us what, what we do not deserve. We deserve condemnation but He has given us His love and all the benefits of His love. And so recall to mind 
remind your soul of just how kind and gracious and compassionate God has been to you. Preach the love of God to your soul daily. Remind yourself that you're dust and join in all of creation in blessing the Lord of glory. Now notice how David ends this psalm. He ends by expanding the call beyond his own soul. And he calls all of creation to bless the Lord. Notice verse 20. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. In verse 22, bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. You see, the Lord deserves praise and honor from every part of creation. His kingdom rules over all. He deserves praise and honor and blessing from every part of creation, both the spiritual and the natural realms. But, but it's this psalm that's calling our own souls to bless the Lord. In fact, let me close with this application from verse 1. Notice that David calls not just upon his soul, but notice he calls all that is within him to praise the Lord. See that phrase? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. I'm super challenged by that phrase because what this means is blessing the Lord is not to be done half-heartedly. We must praise the Lord with all that is within us, with every ounce and fiber of our being. He deserves that kind of praise from you and me. I love that old Isaac Watts hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, that last line, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Love so everlasting, benefits so great that they demand our life, our soul, our all. Which is exactly why we are so desperately in need of a Savior. Because none of us blesses the Lord with all that is within us. We all forget the Lord's benefits. And so let's run to Christ who died for our sins and who purchased all of these good benefits and who demonstrated the Father's everlasting love for us. Let's run to Christ now. Let's cling to Jesus and find refuge in Him because He alone is what you and I need he alone is what our souls need to cling to. And so let's bless the Lord now. <coughs> Lord, we bless you. We praise you and we call upon all of creation to worship you as you deserve. Lord, you deserve the praise and the adoration from every soul in this room, from every part of every being in this room. And you deserve praise from all of creation in all the heavenly realm and all of your angels and all of your ministers. You deserve the praise and the honor and the glory. And so, Lord, would you help us to bless you with all that is within us, to praise you and thank you and worship you. <coughs> and we say, Lord, Christ is our only hope in life and in death. Christ is our only hope, our only 
joy, our only salvation. Soul, why are you so downcast? Hope in God, for I will yet again praise Him. I will yet again see His salvation. Thank you for that salvation. Be blessed, be praised, be known in your people now. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.